Wow, I have a student who hasn't turned a single damn thing all year. Just turn in 12 assignments. So they worked really late. <laughs> wow. I feel like I feel Great. like that with my tests. I study the whole like four weeks of content the day before or actually the morning that I'm supposed to take it. And then it's not the best, but yeah. This is me judging you. Hello everyone. I'm Travis Reuter, Assistant Director of Mount Triumph Leadership Camp. I'm excited to welcome you to our new podcast, The Real Tea. It's an exploration of all things Mount Triumph. For the past 18 summers, I've had the opportunity to serve as a staff member for this camp that has continued to challenge and transform me as a leader and person. Honestly, I can't imagine who I would be or what I would be doing without it in my life. Joining me on this journey will be Sid Hansen and Hanny Nakor, two members of our junior staff. Not only are they Brene Brown fanatics like me, but they also love to spill the tea and connect over the different triumphs, tribulations, and truths we encounter in our lives. Each week we'll be joined by a different member of the Triumph family to discuss how Mount Triumph has influenced our choices and of course, share some deep belly laughs as we embrace vulnerability, drop the armor, and dare to lead. Welcome to the table of the Triumph family. We are so glad you joined us. Well, here we are, episode three. We have a lot that we're going to be able to enjoy today. I'm pretty excited about who we're going to be interviewing. We're going to tell you a little bit more about before we get to the interviews. We're going to step into how's your week been? It's been a week. How about you, Annie? How about um, you? It's been, I think it's slowly on a decline. What do you mean by a decline? Do you mean like it's declining, like getting easier or declining, like it's getting worse? No, like I can sense it, like going somewhere bad, but I it happens. <laughs> so it's like. I feel like it's, I'm at a point where things were going really well and I was feeling confident and I was like, things are going great. And then there just has to be something that comes in and puts me in my place. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that. Post-election was just a great high, but I think you go back into reality. It's just that type of weather now where it's just the doom and gloom because it's so gloomy that there's no light. Like, it's 12 p.m. and there's no light source whatsoever. So it feels like it's nighttime all the time. So today I had to just, like, leave my house, like, four times because I was just over it. I felt like that today, too. It was. I looked outside and I was convinced it was later than it was because it was so dark. <clears throat> and then I went for a walk. It was like 3.30 and it was getting dark already. And I'm, mm-hmm. it makes me sad. Whenever I start to feel sad, please tell myself, Kamala Harris, and then <laughs> I'm fine. It makes my day better every time. All right. um, I don't know. I don't know why, but... I still am 100% brought a lot of joy every time someone says, hey, do you know that the vice president-elect is Kamala Harris? And I'm just like, that's, uh, Absolutely. that's amazing. That's amazing because we, we, we won and we 
have moved forward. And now we have a woman of color as our vice president elect. And oh, yeah, makes me so happy. Yeah. So now we can incredible. But I get what you mean. I get home and I'm like, gosh, can I go to bed? And it's three 30. I know. And I remember in the summertime having so much energy and going for walks and being up till nine and it was just perfect and still getting up and going to my workouts at four mm-hmm. and not feeling like it was a big deal. But, but now it's just like, I got to hibernate. Uh, right. I want to go home and start a fire and the shorter, the shorter hours for sure. Yeah. Less daylight is really kicking in. Yeah. Well, nothing we can't handle to be honest, just because thinking about what we went through a couple months ago, and now just having like our conscience in the back is just like, it's just clear knowing, okay, we're doing what we need to be, we, what we need to be doing. You know, our state is taking precautions. So that makes me like, I'm like, good, you know. Wait, 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 guys. This is everyone's favorite part. It's time for us to spill the tea. Do you guys swear to spill the tea, the whole tea, and nothing but the tea? Ooh, what's the tea? Dish it. take a moment to reflect on either a triumph a tribulation or a truth that we want to share with our listeners and our fam out there who wants to go first i have one yesterday sid and i had a really good conversation we were discussing maybe i don't deserve to like say my triumphs of like what's going on in my life like in conversations with people and when we're communicating and we just like had that back and forth we were like oh I so agree like I feel that some way sometimes where it's all receiving 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 from people we aren't given the opportunity to give back or like say what's on our mind without feeling like oh it's all about us would we say that's a blue thing I'm trying to process really what you mean by that Hanny. like oh it's not about us so so someone like calls you up and and they want to tell you what happened with their day. It felt like it's all about them for 10 minutes, just taking it all in. And you don't feel like there's any space for you to be like, oh, here's what happened with my day without feeling like the other person or in conversations in general, they're going to be like, wow, you're so, you're just, it, it's not about you. Even though like, it's not like we dominate the conversations all the time. So like an ongoing thing to like deal with and like, think about and try to work on or even even when people express interest in what's going on in our lives we're yeah. like really you you want to know mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. and kind of just knowing that we have worth too and that people care and want to know just because and it's something I'm proud of is that I people confide in me and let me listen to them and seek me for advice and stuff and so sometimes I forget that I want that reciprocated and then I I forget that I deserve to have people care about what's going on in my life too or that I can share that. Yeah I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in forgetting that relationships are reciprocal and it's okay to ask a friend to listen to you 
and it's okay for you to be quiet and listen to a friend for a while because that's that's really the essence of a relationship sometimes we get frustrated with a relationship because we aren't advocating for what we need or what we want we want to be heard or we want to listen or usually just bringing that up is is part of what we've got to do and and that's a triumph in of itself when when you can say this is what i need or even being able to say i i just want to hear from you for a little bit especially now i i i was thinking about this today where someone had called me and then i was like talking to like a cousin and then or they were like messaging me and i was just like i was like dang nowadays it's getting so hard to muster up the energy to to engage back at the same time we're like i need this but it's so it's gotten so hard to be like admitting you need to like put some effort in as well but there's just like no energy there so it's just like that weird in between because everyone's been feeling the same way i would assume we have to recognize that we have different capacities at different moments mm-hmm. and depending upon what we're dealing with in front of us can augment or limit those capacities and i think that's part of the element of humanity and realizing that we are humans and we have limits and we have energy that stops that needs to be replenished and we need to be renewed in many different ways and the more that we realize that the more i think authentically connected to ourselves we become and i know that for me being able to say no to something now has been a major point of growth for for years always feeling like I had to give, 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 and that receiving was selfish. And mm-hmm. actually, no, it's survival. Being able to give and receive is something that, that you need to learn to be able to do. It helps to know who you can and can't with and accepting who you can receive from and give back. And so that too, I feel like I, in a lot of my relationships, I kind of know what the needs are and what the expectations are. And so maybe if I am just giving someone else still feel good and seen and heard. So that too. So the two of you say that's been kind of your thing this week. That's your triumph. Well, that was my triumph until I received a text message while I was on FaceTime with Hanny yesterday. (laughs) And we had this really awesome conversation And then I had gotten a text about one of my students in my practicum having COVID and that kind of just flipped my world just a little bit. And so then I would just kind of spiraled the whole rest of the day, had to sit in all the different feelings. And for me, I think it was just the realization of, you know, this is closer than that was kind of a big realization for me. And so I had some strong feelings yesterday and I didn't know what to feel. And I was trying to make phone calls and talk to different people. And I have different things going on where I'm going to need accommodations and those sorts of things. And so just trying to be flexible while also caring about my own health and safety as well as the health of others. And I'm a big feeler and I also have a lot of guilt that I feel in almost every situation. And so I was 
left sitting in my fields yesterday and I even accidentally called Travis which <laughs> actually helped me and it was nice to see you on FaceTime in my in my moment and so I guess that's a tribulation and so I've just been working through that I have been the past 24 hours working on self-care and taking time for myself of what calms me down and makes me feel better and you know talking to people that can ease my mind and also you know walking and taking a long shower and lighting candles and all of those sorts of things that kind of help calm me down and ease me but uh, I think that has been it's turning I think it will eventually turn into a triumph once I get through it, but it's been a tribulation for me the past 24 plus hours. I think that's part of the fear that, that so many of us live with going through the pandemic and you think about different choices regarding your life and the things that you need to be able to do. And at times pausing and feeling guilty that perhaps a choice you made could affect someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of it is also stepping back and realizing that, we do have things we still have to do. Your exposure was because you were at work and you were moving toward your education and you were following mm-hmm. all the precautions and you knew it was a possibility. That's what we as educators live with every single day. We know mm-hmm. that we're going we're gonna to face it in some way or another. I've had so many times I've already been contacted and said this person who was connected to this person that you've been around week before we moved my son was exposed at work and so for several days we're like well I guess no one's going to help us move this weekend because he was exposed and if he has COVID then we have to do this and that makes things complicated (laughs) and uh, he tested negative and everything was fine Mm -hmm. Um, we had almost a month ago where my spouse woke up one morning and she was just really suddenly, suddenly ill. And for, for 24 hours, you're like, okay, well, this is it. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's happening at this time. (laughs) And, and that's happened so many times now. And it's just like, okay, I I don't know how to prevent it because we've been very careful um, and things can, it can still happen. Yeah, I think that reality it has definitely sunk in with me. It's difficult to stop the wheel because I feel like our society is so adapted to like, we need to get the ball rolling, like, let's go, let's go. And so as soon as we started going back on that, any like, because we're all like necessary functions of society, you put yourself out of there. And then it's like, Oh, everything is because multiple times I'll like wake up and I'm like, oh, I feel funny, and but not funny enough to be like, oh, I need like, if I call my work, they'll I I feel like a burden of being like, they're gonna be like, oh, but you felt like this way last week, so you can't do that. So I write it out, and so you can't really tell because it's not like a you can immediately find out, and then it ends up being like okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just all this stress around it and feeling like we can't stop. It like this function or like our routines and yeah I just hope we can start figuring it out and caring about one another enough to save lives Mm -hmm. I think it's been long enough and it's exhausting even seeing the way it affects 
just the people around me who are just so burnt out and exhausted and even thinking about everything shutting down again and what that means for just the stress of people's livelihoods and all of that is is hard to fathom too and I just hope I have a lot of hope and I'm trying to hold on to that had a we've had a triumph we've had a tribulation I think I'm going to focus on a truth this week and that truth is really centered around the realization of I can only do as much as I can and having balance is so much more important than being overly fatigued or being overly productive and move through that process and just waiting for everything to happen. I don't think I slept more than five hours consistently. I spent so much time not sleeping that today when I slept until my alarm went off for the first time in seven weeks, it really kind of startled me when I woke up. And then I thought to myself, okay, you have to face the fact that you have limits and that no matter how productive you've been in the past, your body's changed, your work has changed, your mind has changed, where you're at is totally different. And just kind of reassessing that on a regular basis is something I'm going to continue to have to do. Because on Thursday of last week, I went to my massage therapist and my massage therapist is just like, what have you been doing to your body? Have you been working out extra? I was like, actually, no. He's like, your body is showing all kinds of extra stress in it. And I said, well, it could be because of this. And I explained to him that uh, what happened when we moved my children into the house and then uh, us moving again and getting to a point to where I tried to wrap my arms around a piece of furniture and lift it. And it was like my elbows wouldn't function. (laughs) And there was no way that there was any signal going through my nerves telling my body what to do. And uh, it just was extreme nerve, you know, messaging fatigue. And so he was like, you don't, you don't go to your training sessions. Don't exercise for the next three days. I want you to take it easy and sleep. Your body is telling you, you have to do this. And it's tough to admit that at times, especially as you get older and older, but it also is kind of liberating because you're like, oh, okay, this, these are my capacities. These are the things that I can do. And maybe I'll be able to do more in a few weeks after I've done some resting. But just that need, I think self-care is talked about all the time and people talk about different components of it. And I guess the truth for me around self-care right now is what is my capacity? What is my limit? And when I've hit it, can I voice the fact that I've done that? Am I okay with, you know, looking at my email and the fact that a student has waited nine weeks to turn in a single assignment has now turned in 15 of them. And at the end sends an email at, you know, 7 PM at night saying, I just did all of this. Can you put this in the grade book? It's like, no, (laughs) this is my window of time that I can work. I can't do it any more than that. I feel like I'm constantly having to reevaluate. 
that, especially this year. And I think it's different. I don't know if Penny feels the same way too in college from when we begin the quarter versus Mm -hmm. when it's time to end because by the end I just have to accept that my capacity and my energy is looks completely different than it did at the beginning of the quarter and that's okay Mm -hmm. and giving myself a little grace yeah it's really nothing to beat yourself over I have this like existentialism in film class and I would love to have been able to give it more time and attention because it's some interesting stuff but at the end of the day I sat and I was like I can do what I can do and that's just that's it like let me get by and that's pretty much it and not feel guilty about it that's Mm -hmm. the key yeah after a while you kind of just like you're like okay whatever it doesn't bother you as much Also, this is uh, our senioritis talking, Trav. So yeah, I told my seniors today there's actually no such thing as senioritis. It, it's it what it is is something we've tried to label that we really can't fathom because to me mm-hmm. it's because mm-hmm. you have a lot of responsibilities in front of you still, and you have all this stuff in the future, and your mind keeps shooting to that future and moving away and departing from your current reality. And that creates yep. a stress response and a having to move through some feelings. And you know that everything you have to do here still has to be accomplished in order for you to get there. And then you have this internal mm-hmm. fight about needing to finish this thing while also thinking about everything that you think that other thing is going to be. And it creates this grass is greener type feeling that starts to like pull you toward that direction. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you from lots of age and experience that doesn't, um, it doesn't work out. (laughs) It doesn't work out the way you think it's going to. Way to call us out. (laughs) It never does. And you, and so my mouth is dropped coming back to keeping your mind where your body is, is really important. Yes. Dream. Yes. Mm -hmm. Plan. Think through all those things. But I, I firmly believe it's coming through a stress response in which you're not walking all the way through the logical feelings of what's happening. And we're using that future as a way to distract us from the responsibilities we have in front of us. And so people chalk it up when people say senioritis to me, I said, oh, I always think, OK, so you're having a hard time um, keeping your mind where your body is and meeting your responsibilities. OK. And then people are like, no, oh. I'm just tired of everything I'm doing. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not. That, okay, but that's the explanation and the call out that I needed. So yeah, thank you. Thank it was you. like a pep talk. <laughs> that. So thanks. For sure. We are really excited to have two guests with us. These are two individuals that I've known for a very, very, very long time. I've known them since they were middle schoolers, and it's been pretty fantastic to watch them as they've grown up through that time, became high schoolers, served as junior counselors at Mount Triumph, uh, ended up getting married. We have Scott and Hannah Clarity with us. What is it that you're doing for work, where you live, 
and just a little bit about yourselves. Right after I graduated Willamette University in Salem, I moved back to the coastal community here. For the last seven years, I've been working marketing and being a marketing supervisor, Wyndham Destinations and the Worldmark Resorts. Most recently, uh, let's see, back here in August, I just obtained my real estate license to do some uh, real estate and sales with that. So always learning, always growing. I worked off and on with the same company as Scott has for a while until just recently, as a lot of us have been displaced from our jobs. Uh, I'm just spending my days with my boy learning ABCs and counting. And uh, I don't actually have a plan to return to work yet. Just we'll see in where Jack Scotty's new job takes us and just soaking up every second I can with Anderson. And I have never dreamed of anything that I want more, actually. So it's worked out. I think uh, right now in true millennial fashion, it's just kind of boiled down to like wherever the wind blows, that's where you'll find us. And and for Hannah, that's staying at home oh. and I come home and they're doing arts and crafts and turkey fingers and, and hand, leaves, turkeys. hand turkeys. You're not making, <laughs> yeah. you're not making breaded turkey fingers for dinner. <laughs> that's what I Yep. And we probably should tell the listeners that Anderson's there with us. And so you probably he hear him here. shuffling around. Anderson, you want to say hi to our listeners? Hi. He's engrossed with uh, Power Rangers on the YouTubes right now. Free reign to all of the fandoms that we enjoyed uh, and slowly have introduced quite a few. From Oh, uh, we just watched the animated Hobbit the other night with Smog. That was really fun. Love. Well, I I can tell you, I can tell you as a dad who watched The Lion King and The Land Before Time uh, probably 100 billion times my children that when when you get older and it comes back around when you watch it after you've had that space it provides a completely different layer than it used to because it's then uh, engrossed in this nostalgia that's connected to your child instead of just your own personal experience yeah yeah well, that's that's. I'm glad to hear that you're raising him right. I mean that <laughs> that, that that always makes me happy. Um, it always yeah, shocks yeah. me when I talk to some of my leadership students, and they all they know who I'm talking to. That at the end of our hot seat that we do every Friday for different to feature different student leaders, the last question is always, "What do you prefer, Star Wars or Star Trek?" And when these oh, kids yeah. say stuff like, "I've never watched either one," it's like you're out. You're out of this class. I kick them out. Done. We want to know a little bit more about your past. Um, Tell us about what high school you went to. Um, Tell us about your experiences as delegates with Mount Triumph. Because I can't remember if y'all, if Hannah, if you were an original Triumph delegate or not, or if you were- I was. So you're going to have to tell us some of that history that you've got. Yeah, so- so I was just kind of thinking about this the other day after we we were talking, and I really found my um, of leadership pretty early. And so from middle school into high school, I remember just thinking this leadership thing was for these elite people and for these kids who really wanted to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to be to school by, you know, whatever time to start their zero period class. And it was a lot more than that. And what I always loved um, pretty much is a theme in my life anywhere I've been is all the extra stuff all the fun stuff, all the cool stuff, who's behind the scenes. And I never really realized that was a thing, that there was a place for that, for people like me until I found leadership. And it was a different, like, it, you know, it wasn't just the sign painting. It was 
community, you know, people coming together to do the things that no one really wanted to do kind of. And so that was kind of my first experience with it. And then I got in, like I said, to be into high school leadership, we're really doing a lot more. Um, And then someone told me about, I think Sadie Newell told me about summer camp and we were going to leadership camp because I just ran for an office. I think I was spirit chair, which was a very cool ASB position to have at that time. Seven days later, I I sobbed on the last night when Jared Richardson gave that famous speech that, you know, Kimmy and I seriously have, you know, Gandhi quotes tattooed on our bodies for, uh, that I was like, I'm going to do everything in my sheer willpower to come back to Mount Triumph for the rest of my life, Travis. And how many years did I do it after that? Oh, so many. Yeah. And uh, just learned that there was like a good place for kids who were good at school and wanted to do extracurricular stuff, or there was a place for kids who were only good at the helping part, or there was a spot for people who didn't know why they needed to be there. Like there was people that were getting pulled out of their shells. And I didn't really think that I was one of those people. And then I left Mount Tri, like just a whole nother person, like a different little 16 year old, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was crazy to me. So then I went that year with, for without Scott because I don't think we were even dating. Yeah, Scott, you tell us a little bit about your history with leadership and uh, Triumph. I've gotten inspired by leadership actually through my brother, um, who was about four or five years older than me. And he was total recluse. Um, you know, talk about pulling a kid out of his shell. That was definitely my brother. Um, he had worked with Travis running assembly boards and like the sound systems and putting all the behind the scenes stuff together. And that's when I, I kind of saw like, oh my gosh, wow, there's more to this, right? Like there's more than just having an assembly at a time where we all meet. If it's Veterans Day or, or Martin Luther King or diversity, whatever we're, we're focusing on, it, it took so much more behind the scenes just to put that together. You know, not only hearing the messages in that portion, but also seeing how they're felt and absorbed in that process of putting it together and creation was really what intrigued me at first. Freshman year, I think, is when I met Hannah, and that was her sophomore year that she had just gone to her very first uh, Mount Triumph. And we uh, we ended up actually both getting cast in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah. um, Hannah was Lucy. I was Schroeder, so she had to serenade yeah. me um, <laughs> on this tiny piano. And I'm, uh, just for the listeners out there, I'm six foot five, Hannah's four foot nine. So um, just uh, the difference in like, here's an adult Schroeder with a tiny, tiny Lucy um, was hilarious. <laughs> So I, I hopped on board um, just as a delegate my first year, became assistant treasurer and then ASB treasurer as well. Understanding, you know, how far we can take Maslow in our community was really powerful that remembering that Owaco is a town that is is not filled with money. Um, you know, there are students from all walks of life there. It was not only life-changing for ourselves, but for our community, just in how we could focus our leadership mm-hmm. Um, You know, it wasn't always about assemblies or putting things like that together. It was making sure, you know, every kid could afford going to a dance. We could um, support our school from within, which was really neat. The second year I actually attended Mount Baker, um, which is an interesting story. But the third year that I came back to Mount Triumph, I was a sole delegate for my school. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember. (laughs) So I've had an experience of a mixed council where uh, the first year we were with Mark Morris and met some great kids there. So we were able to do just, you know, collaboration within our council from school to school. The second year that I had went to Mount Baker, our entire delegation was all 16 of us were from Owaco. And then the last year that I went, 
we had kind of the ASB director at the time had opened it up to options. So the majority of every um, everyone who went had went to Mount Baker. And I knew that, you know, first off, we could learn two different sets of ideas and team building if we did split our own. But I went to Mount Triumph by myself. So um, it was very overwhelming at first, right? But then when you realize there's 300 other delegates and brand new friends to make, and our, our council, I remember that year, had six different schools in it. That so it right. was a That's, very... That was my first year as a JC was. First of all, when you're like young and in love like that, all you want... I. Scott did not feel the same, but I was just like, I want to see my boyfriend. It's hard to see in here and pretend like I don't know him and like, I don't love him and want to get married today. Uh, and I didn't want to be the girl, you know, the girl Travis. And so, uh, that was just really tough. And I remember being like, Travis, I got to talk to my boyfriend, man. I got to go be like, listen, I got to talk to my boyfriend and I love him so much. And I got to tell him and you were like, dude, fine, but. He is busy. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk right now. But go for it. And then I found Scott and he was like, yeah, I don't want to tie right now. I'm busy. <laughs> but it ended up being fine. And, you know, 10 years later, we got married. It was well, really fine. But you also had to talk to me. You were like, listen, he loves you. He, you guys are going to get married someday. He loves you so much. Like, just go back to work. Okay. <laughs> I think the the spirit sharing you was filled with emotion, right? It was very, it was a tough lesson to learn the, the don't be a delegate idea. And it was probably even tougher knowing that, you know, a few of my core friends were also JCs at the time. Right. So Stephanie I, I there. knew that phrase. Right. So she also probably didn't appreciate hearing it from me as much either. Like she, she was more like, let me into your life. Let me see what you're doing. Who are all these yeah, people? Yeah, be like, you're you know? alone. Don't you want my love? He <laughs> I'm like, I'm not alone. There's 300 extra friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are, those are fun yeah, well, memories. I was thinking um, to have a bunch of my Triumph stuff has come up from, uh, from doing different stuff, like winter camps and stuff. And uh, I did a couple camps with Megan Baxter's um, Camp Kairos and that was really great too and I've just met so many people that I've like later like different friends of mine Lainey's friends of friends my good friend of a long time she knows these people and it's just a very small world just the first time that you learn Maslow and different things like that never heard anything about Abraham Maslow in high school and any of the leadership stuff we did maybe we touched on it but uh you just like learn not to the point of like being inundated with it you want to be it's a good thing to I've used that in my adult life working and explain this to people through so many different jobs that I've had working at a hotel when you have a lobby full of almost 100 people 300 arrivals almost and then these people are super grumpy and I'm like yeah because their needs are not being met <laughs> their most basic needs are not being met and that is why we provide people with cookies and water so the pond check-in when they might have to use the restroom that they don't know where it is <laughs> i've literally had to say this to people and be like it is a hierarchy of their needs and if we can start meeting their basic needs when they get here with water and cookies and things maybe they won't be so sucky when they get up to check in with y'all you know that's our hope is right like we definitely want students to go back and impact their high schools um, but we love to hear how as adults it stuck with you. So you went through that summer where you came to camp alone and then you went back. Um, how was that year? 
Uh, that year was an interesting year. Just looking, that was my senior year at Mount Triumph. Um, Iwako had just transitioned schools. So we had moved from our old high school into what had been constructed to be a middle school. So that was uh, not so fun when you're trying to, you know, um, use a chemistry hood and there's not a chemistry hood. So they just put a really big box fan in the suit. Uh, overall, um, it, it was different. I think for me, it, it really helped position myself um, in a new set of friends. I, I was so used to having upperclassmen who were my friends, my core group. Um, and then again, re-entering senior year, what, what felt like to be alone. But I'd, when I look at being a delegate by myself, I think the the most interesting thing was we were put with um, a, a private school up in the Seattle area was one of the, the five schools we had. And I remember looking at, at their delegation and we were having a conversation regarding Maslow. And um, most of the group was so quick to just jump on, you know, our, our problem is inclusiveness. We, we need to build a better social structure. Um, and then one of the delegates, you know, was talking about just ways that they can make an impact and 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 she wasn't buying in and I, I really appreciated her in the conversation not to just go with the group mentality because she she was and and her peer group were struggling with the basic needs um and so having a waco uh be such a small community the conversation um turned into you know how can we from within because quite often when when we look at basic needs and and ways to help our community. It's just that it, it goes outside of the school, outside of the social structure. And so what can we do as students from within one-on-one -on -one to help each other out? And the conversation turned really quickly into just, you know, how can we bring food for people when, when we see that they're not eating lunch every single day? You know, how we can bring extra sandwiches, we can do this. There was a lot of um, disjointedness in our clubs and our sports programs. Um, where that is what you were, you didn't really permeate into other groups or, or social outlets. And to me, my senior project was to uh, direct the play, the play that year for our drama department. And um, I ended up having to switch advisors in the middle of it um, due to a death in the family. And so with our new advisor, Rachel Lake, um, helping me with the show, and I, I eventually went on to get my degree from Willamette in theater. And part of this passion was we wanted to build up um, and have one of the biggest casts that we'd had in you know the re most recent years. And so we had a cast of 32, which made it so where every single person auditioned could find a role in the show. Um, we ended up doubling parts for people. So, I mean, we, we created a situation where there was more opportunities than we had um, people for. So we, we had to get creative in that sense. But um, that show brought in just all sorts of different clubs, it's activities. True. So it was, it became a mixture just like our senior year um, as a delegate of a group that could then be a, a core base that people could reach out to and branch off from. So um, I would say for me, that was the most significant thing that ended up happening after being a sole delegate was going back home and realizing, okay, what, what groups do we have that where people are solo or, or they themselves are isolated within that group? How can we break the <laughs> barriers from clubs to activities and in any way, how? Well, y'all know my, my heart for 
Ilwaco runs deep, you know, it's the, it's the place where I started my career. And so interesting to me, I've, I've lived in Longview now longer than I've lived on the peninsula. Um, so mm-hmm. 14 years in Longview. But when we go back to the, the peninsula, um, there's more people that I pass when we walk up from, because we always stay at a drift. And mm-hmm. so we'll walk up from a drift and uh, I'll walk by people in the street and it's, I get more hellos. Uh, when I go into the into the bakery or when I go to get coffee or or whatever, and it's just still home. It's just such a community. Mm-hmm. For sure. Last time we were there, it's like I was getting on the elevator and here comes Lainey walking in. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Don't you work at the yeah. other place? She goes, no, I do this and this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What's like the comparison in past years that were like, well, we went to Baker last year and we got to do this and we're overly comparing the two camps so I just wonder what it was like kind of going back and forth I mean Hannah kicked off her her final year at Baker but for me um it really boiled down to you know what was the purpose Uh, I mean both of them are team building camps um so they both looked at at the group as a whole which I appreciated I've I've worked for the middle level camps before where you know each um, council is broken up of everybody's from a different school um, but what I found on the triumph side was, um, it was more about culture and more about, um, focusing in on what we can do peer to peer to help our communities, our schools, our, our central leadership group, where at Baker, the focus was a little bit more like big picture. Like we, we are just students. So how can we contribute to the community cause? How can we build food banks? How can we build penny drives? I felt like Triumph really got to the heart of, we need to plan a patriotic assembly, but why are we, are we planning a patriotic assembly? Where, where does family fall into that in our individual school systems? You know, how are, are the individual students that are attending our schools impacted by diversity, by, you know, patriotism? What does it mean to them? How can we open up and view those views from um, from different perspectives. So I, I think both of them were good because at, at the Triumph level, we were communicating peer-to-peer and understanding how we can build our own coalition. Um, at the Baker level, I, I felt like we were building a peer coalition to then approach the, the administrators, the school staff. Triumph gave us the power to just do it ourselves, which mm-hmm. is is effective, but maybe not guided as much and and has the same sharpness to it. Um, So I I think both of them accomplished the same idea that we were building a team, but it was how are we networking within our team or how are we taking the message that the team wants to an adult who can can help us. So that's really where I saw the difference between the two. I don't think either one of them either were our council specifically because we had been already at Mount Triumph, um, were not happy that we were at Baker while we were at Baker. So an interesting mm-hmm. thing happened where because the majority, there was people there who didn't know any, had our own little community inside of Mount Baker that was still Mount Triumph, right? right? Absolutely. And um, so very rude. maybe we were rude and maybe we didn't, um, you know, get the full message, but that that's where I saw the breakdowns was just empowering each other to do what needed to be done versus um, coming up with a declaration or a list for somebody else to, to tackle and have, have that 
problem. Say thanks for sharing because um, I just find it interesting too when we end up having delegates that end up spending the whole week just. Comp- I think the important part of that though, right, is like you went to Baker with who? With your mm-hmm. council, with your school, right? So just if you keep an open mind in the process, right? If you're JC who's struggling, because I've had that counsel before too. If you're JC who's struggling to, you know, open up their minds or or to have them stop comparing it to um, what they'd done in in a year prior, you really have to just put a mirror up to the behavior of that and say, you know, what are you taking back to your school today? Mm -hmm. I understand that we're not in exactly where you want to be at the right time. but ultimately, you're, you've been given one week of your summer to go back and shape and change and reconstruct your school how you want it to look. So either find sanctuary in the council that you have, that it is your own school, and maybe with another school who's nearby or, or not nearby. Um, but how are you going to take that message back? Because you can either take the message back that you were frustrated all week and it's just, it's, I mean, it's going to stop your process when you're building, when you're generating and it's not going to be a pretty evaluation. Let's talk about those council connections. Um, maybe some of our listeners don't know this, but there's a really interesting thing that the universe did. And that was, I taught at Owaco for six years and uh, attempted to be a youth pastor. And that, that ended up being really messy. Um, especially when the the church you're working for realizes that you don't believe the same things they do. Um, So then I ended up catapulting back into the classroom, uh, Mount Triumph staff member who was a a teacher at Mark Morris. He saw that I was looking at the Mark Morris website because there was a world language job there. And he really helped me to make that happen. But at the same time, Mark Morris and Owako then have this bridge connection because of a council experience, correct? And Hannah, you were in that council with uh, Amanda and Ooh. Lauren and and all that. Yeah, right? that was my first year. And Katie, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. tell us about tell us about that Mark Morris Owako connection. Things that that's came really from crazy. it. That's really crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, well, we okay. It, that's a long one to unpack, but it's really good. Um, but basically, yeah, we were. I, I, I mean, I knew Travis because first of all, my sisters had you as a teacher, and they were lucky enough to have you. Uh, to teach them Spanish. And then um, I came my first year as a delegate and I was like, Hey, there's that. I know Travis, he used to teach at Owaco. And uh, so I was kind of familiar with with you in that sense. And then, um, so anyhow, I just remember being like, you know, I don't know necessarily why so familiar or like so happy that it was like a long view school, but it was like kind of relieving um, that they were so close to us. And like, you feel very familiar with people who are just that, you know what I mean? Like it's an hour drive probably, but you're like, okay, it's similar um, you know, again, not even a similar size school, but like, it just feels the two towns feel very relatable to me. And we just started out like you would any unsure time in your, you know, triumph experience and meeting new people and doing all these fun icebreakers and things with these people. But, uh, by the end of the seven days, the, like you usually do, you're very connected. We are a very connected group and we had, um, you know, like we do exchange phone numbers and email at that point, And we followed each other <laughs> on MySpace as soon as we got home. And, uh, and then Lainey and myself and someone else, I can't think of who the other person would have been with us, but there were, we all three got together and we were like, we need to go and try to plan something with the Mark Morris kids. Like we love them. It's been like three weeks. We have got to get a hold of them. So we talked to Katie and Lauren, I'm pretty sure. Rachel. Rachel Bacamas. 
right? Was well, Rachel or was she the year before? Yeah. Yeah, it was Rachel because we went to her house is what I was going to say next. And we all we all met up and um, she showed us around her house and they took us around Longview. And I mean, it was really cool to have some other group doing similar stuff, going through similar things at their school and actually having like retain the connection after that. And I still follow a lot of those people around uh, their lives and see that they've, you know, all gotten married and done awesome things and had kids also. I don't think we need to get into super big details about it, but they helped us pull one of the most infamous pranks in Owaco High School history. And I will never forget, just never forget it. And that is a connection. People that will help you do (laughs) amazingly terrible things. That's something you don't get everywhere. And it's one of those triumph bonds that you just cherish, certainly. And it was one of my favorite things. And I'll just say that Rachel has the most beautiful handwriting of anybody I've ever seen. She helped us write. Not a ransom note. It was it was a it was a thanks for being it was my a thank you card. card. It was it's a gift. Fine. It was a gift. Um, I tell my Mark Morris student leaders this story occasionally. So it, because I tell them about this weird kismet connection is like, I was destined to end up being the advisor at Mark Morris eventually, because my first year teaching at Mark Morris, um, Lauren and Amanda were in my advisory. Um, oh yeah. And as a random, it's a random thing that those two students ended up group and and uh, I had I remember having had lunch with Lauren and and then getting to know the rest of the group for that and it was just a really strange thing to end up then being their ASB advisor their senior year that is one of my like core memories uh is is that group and you you both served as junior counselors for three years you were also on Mm -hmm. core team for a few years Mm -hmm. um and then Hannah you had the dubious experience of kind of having to be an intern last minute sure. uh, and you did that with Jason Allen and mm-hmm. that was great. Um, and so you you've been through all kinds of different elements um, you haven't been senior counselors yet but but you've been in many different levels um, mm. of our camp but but tell us a bit about being a junior counselor what was that like for you what did it mean what are some what's something that really stands out I mean um just like your, your final year as a delegate, you hear about this position and you know that like there is an application process and all of that, you know, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's, and you're also like applying for schools. And so you're like, you might as well throw in this one more application and see how you're going to spend your summer. And for me, I was more excited to do my triumph application than to apply to or go to any schools my <laughs> senior year. And uh, I was just as excited when I found out that I was accepted as my first year JC. But um, honestly, it's like starting over as as a delegate again, because you're in a new ball game, but it's very similar. You're young, you're, you're now, I mean, you're young, and you're just a barely or you're the same age as some of the seniors that you're going to encounter the next summer, you know, and so, um, or that summer, and it just seems like um, you have to gather what you've learned as a delegate and see Um, how you can use that or have, you know, through your four years of high school and and then be able to put that forward to help and notice, recognize kids that you were at different times, you know, and to to talk to and really um, just kind of try to suss out kids that you know uh, were little Hannah Whitlow's, you know what I mean? And see how you can pull that out of them and 
uh, for me, just like getting the whole experience of being like a cabin JC and having all my little cabin babies, you know, that was something completely separate for me than being a counselor when I was in the, you know, in the council room and teaching these lessons from like Iggy to, um, and it, it's, it's weird because it creates something in you that you don't realize maybe that like you have a teaching aspect of yourself that you never knew. So you get to play teacher for part of it and implore knowledge to these children children they're my same age you know what I mean at the time but um I mean you're still learning the whole time you're learning from different people like your SCs that are there to guide you I had people from favorite to uh Kim Stew and I mean all these really cool people and uh you just every year pick up all these different bits of knowledge you know until you've done it three years in a row and you think you're super cool and again you're the smartest thing in the world and then there's room to be an SC and you're like, I don't know nearly as much as I thought I did. You know what I mean? And what, you're like 20, 21 at that point. For me, I was like, I think I was really, like, when I think about it then, I was really kind of uh, like, I was like, damn, I want, I, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep going back and being an SC or a JC or something. Uh, but that I think is what I learned was that I was getting these wings to kind of fly. I picked up so many life lessons and so much knowledge that, uh, that was just kind of like my preparedness for the rest of my adult life. And I was able to come back and help do different things. Uh, like when I came back with, um, and I helped Jason Allen with his union high school. And that was again, really close to me. So I ended up uh, getting to spend time with a lot of those kids after camp. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing that you get, like you get to pick up lifelong friends uh, from, you know, being a JC, from being a, SC intern or whatever else I've been able to stay in touch with a lot of those kids too so for me it has been a lifelong amount of lessons truly I think uh for me just to come back and be a JC and then be a part of core team it's really interesting to see your own cohort of JCs that you move through with like I had really really great people you know with Mason Cameron, Brittany as well. Each of these people were so different that because you've just graduated, you've been a delegate, you know, you've, you've finished high school. It, it was an interesting experience to come back to something that we all knew and see each summer selves have grown. We've become different people. We're all going on different paths. And it's interesting um, to see as we regroup and, and bring in a, a new fresh batch, you know, about how the the lessons that we're teaching high schoolers can be transformed into an, an everyday opportunity um, in whatever walk of life you choose to go down. And I just, I really think of between Mason and myself, um, Cameron and Brittany, how virtually different all of us are, um, but yet we still shared the same laughs, still contributed the same sounds of CISPIS at the end of the week. <laughs> you know, we, we found a way to, to share our own laughter that then created just a cacophony of noise for the end of, of the culmination of the week at a campfire. But we could see see ourselves grow, I think, in that process too. Um, and then each time you come back, you take it one step further. So if, if we're at the core team level, you know, we're, we're then no longer a bridge between the delegates and, and the staff members. It's, well, we're a bridge between the JCs and the SCs mm -hmm. and, and we can see this in the planning process or we can see uh, the outcome, you know, transpire this way. So it, it, it was a different experience each and every time. 
Um, but I think it's one that centers yourself, grounds yourself, and then you're able to to just bring it forward and pay it forward and be the change in, in any of, of the paths you choose. So, and it's, it's affirming in a sense to come back and see that, you know, if someone else is going down a different path that they're still, you know, being their true authentic self. And it, it's a reminder that, you know, that's the most important person you can be because when you, when you recenter and you find yourself every summer, you know, yes, the delegates are going back to their schools. The senior staff, primarily who are teachers, are going back to, to their own teams within the school. But then it's like we're just left to be the wanderers of JCs. And like, you know, if we're in, in higher education and obtaining college degrees um, and, and still learning or improving some way that we can still make an impact, you know, one person at a time, it's a small ripple effect. Like every year in every different position was almost like it was like the same lesson that you're learning, but like in a different format, you know what I mean? And and I don't just mean because the theme is different every year, but it's it was just like new challenges, but with the same tools to to fix whatever it was you're doing or to help learn. And um, it, again, being like a on the core team was really fun to me because I just love the idea of like a special agent situation where like I'm gonna go and do all these things you know what I mean I'm, I've learned too in my adult life uh that like that's the kind of leadership I'm really good at I love to be so we were searching every thrift store every place we could just that's pick right. up a dollar tie I was looking at stuff I just wanted to look at like you know and every goodwill in the city is just a gold mine and so um I was looking through all of the um pictures and posters and things that they have in their frame section <clears throat> and this frame stuck out to me it was gold and, and rather shiny and so I was like oh this is funny and I you know you're flipping through them kind of like old posters so this one kind of clacked backwards onto the rest of the pile of picture frames it looked like a it was like an 8 by 10 frame it's a it's a pretty big frame and it said happy mother's day it looked like a greeting card but like a huge greeting card that someone had just decided to frame and I thought um that it was kind of weird and I didn't know why my goodwill would accept it. I just thought it was such a strange thing that they were selling for a dollar. And I don't know if I, uh, why I just stared at this picture for so long of this card in this frame. And I realized the harder I looked at it, that the paper backing behind it was on photo paper. Like it wasn't just a white background. It wasn't like a mat that you would put in a picture frame. It was like Fujifilm photo paper. So I was like, what the hell? And I'm Hannah. So I'm standing in the Goodwill in Gresham, Oregon. There are Linda and Sharon, these two women. Facing backwards. Facing backwards. So it was the first thing I saw. And so I was like, who are these women in this picture? And I opened up the card and it said to Linda from Sharon. I think the card's still mm -hmm. in there. I yeah. mean, I would assume. And so I'm not exactly sure what it was, but that's how I think we knew at least one of their names. I, I think I... I might have made up one yes. of the names, but for sure one of the names is written in there. And I just thought to myself, I have $2 and I, I am buying this discarded picture in this card and it's forever. It's mine. Well, I'm going to love them there. I couldn't leave them there. I wasn't going to leave Linda and Sharon to, to just be purchased by who, right? Who else was going to love that picture? And I thought, I know 300 people in the woods that are going to love this picture. And so I bought it and I brought it home with us. And I was like, we're definitely bringing this to camp, right? And Scott was like, yeah, we got to, we got to invite Linda and Sharon to camp and introduce them to everybody. Well, I think we packed up the car to go. 
um, out to CISPIS and like we just kind of thrown it in the back window, like behind the back seat. So it was facing up. And then we were like, well, that's where it's staying. <laughs> Forever. So, so they rode all the way in the true cell you know, with, with a true window so they could see our way up there. <laughs> and then I think when we got there, we just, again, kind of explained to everybody and introduced Linda and Sharon just with the hopes that they could forever be a part of our JC family. And I think they spent their first week on the mantle right there in Sasquatch. Let these two know, what is the meaning of Linda and Sharon yes, to the JCs today? We, we take great pride in Linda and Sharon. Uh, Linda and Sharon are in all of our group photos um, held on to when we're out and about, um, stays on the mantle during the week. And then it's, it's very important to see who's going to get Linda and Sharon by the end of the week for the year until the next summer. And so we always kind of then speculate and we're like, oh, who do we think is going to get Linda and Sharon this year? And it's funny because since the past two summers that Linda and Sharon has gone to, which is like the caretaker of the group, just kind of like that, like glues us all together, super loving um, person. And so then we get Snapchats too in our all our group messages of like, oh, here's Linda and Sharon. This is where she's gonna where they're gonna stay, and oh, they're doing this or they're accompanying me while I'm doing homework, and it's very it's very funny, and we take great pride in Linda and Sharon being a part of our JC family. That is heartwarming. That is so amazing to hear. Never would I've ever thought that it would have been treated like a family member. Like a little class bunny. Yes, for sure. Having been at Triumph since it began, um, anytime there's something, but it's like you're there in spirit every single year because the thing that sticks out to me about that story is just um, someone, someone loved them Absolutely. and they loved each other and they don't deserve just to be at Goodwill. They need a family. That was my feel. We could give them a better home than any Goodwill shelf or any other person that would have found that. Who else would care? And now there are how many cycles of 300 kids have that gone through? I mean, maybe not all the, the kids don't all know, but there are how many cycles of. Well, they, they would see them in steering mm-hmm. if they're just sitting up on the mantle. And the best part is, is they're just the mystery there. Of that. Who they're is, just whose moms are those? Did, did they start camp? Who, you know, I love, I love that Linda and Sharon allow for when somebody sees them for the first time to be like, Hmm, what's the story there? And I think I find great joy yeah. in that too, yes. where even um, at GC retreat, when Lynn and Sharon are brought, the the first years are like, what? <laughs> okay. I don't understand. <laughs> and that's just so fun too. And then to see their reactions when Travis shares the story of you guys. And that's why it's so exciting that we get to hear your actual story of getting Linda and Sharon for this podcast. And now... Anytime we ever go to see that family in uh, Sandy, we drive through Gresham Scott. I'll be like, that's where we found Linda and Sharon. That's where we found Linda and Sharon. I'm always kind of like, we should go back. What if, Who else is there, there are more people to say? Yeah. Who knows? And, and what, would you, what were you saying before we started, Hannah? Is like, how kind of weird this could possibly be? Well, it does kind of strike me. Like, I, I didn't really think about it, I don't think, as, uh, when I brought it as a JC. But, like, because um, you've mentioned uh, for a while ago that, you know, Linda and Sharon are still lovely and active. Um, but, like, I was thinking about it the other day while I was making my bed. And I was like, you know, those people 
hopefully may or may not exist right now, but I mean, they are somebody's someone. They are somebody's mom, sister, possibly aunt. I don't know, Graham Graham. And it's just kind of strange to me that we just like bring her back to summer camp every year, this, these two ladies to celebrate them. And we have no idea who they are or where they exist. And I just think it would be really weird if someone had a picture of my grandma Donna and my mom, uh, like snugged up like that. And they were like, just gonna bring them to celebrate them at, at camp. I just think that that's sort of weird. Or the one uh, kid one day that sits down and is like, is that my great thing. aunt Linda? And oh my God. Like, are you prepared for that? <laughs> I don't go to camp with you every year. So my hands are washed. However, I will say that the respect and the love that they have been shown, I think has, has, would really just make either of those two ladies really bring them great joy to know that they have been loved so thoroughly by so many strangers and that this, you know, what started as a framed um, greeting card has turned into a strange little, I will dare say, cult following. Um, and that makes me really happy. Who would have ever thought that they were the ones to make us famous? True. Like, True. Famous. Best two dollars we ever spent, guys. <laughs> Forget about the red vines. Forget about the gold <laughs> Hit up the uh, Goodwill before you leave town on your way up to Sisbis, and who knows what kind of lives you could change. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation because it's it's been a little bit of time that we've been able to be in person. What are some closing comments that you would have um, for those who are listening, staff members that from the past, um, as well as current staff members? Um, what are some things you would like to say to them? It's it's the Linda and Sharon story. You have a family, no matter what point in your life you're at, what stage you're at, how, how high you are or how low you are. Um, that that there's always somebody who cares about somebody, right? There's there's a blue somewhere in your life that you can connect with back home from camp. That still is, you know, you have their number, you have their information, where you can pick up the phone and after spending seven days alone in the woods together eating wonderful you can share and reminisce on our memories to to bring as you grow further away from camps it's a great anchor to look back on and see um you know just how how small little things can be um that grow into a, a big um, bigger journey for some folks like our friends linda and sharon so True. um I, I think camp is always there it's always a part of us and and we are a triumph family no matter where we go and no matter how much time has passed, you know, to, to Travis's point, when we don't see yeah. each other for a year or two, there's there's very little time it takes to catch back up. And I think that's because uh, for one week of our lives, we've allowed ourselves to be vulnerable, open, honest, and transparent, and just see um, that by by taking an, an inner reflection of, of what we want to do, we can actually go out and do so much more. As a chance to impart some knowledge, try to help some some people. It might just be people on staff with you that you needed to listen to, or someone that you uh, in your council uh, that you helped a kid, a student. Uh, but like I've always really looked forward to the labs. I mean, I've never laughed harder than something that Jared Richardson said. The friendships that you lessons I've learned um, from being a JC that I'll just never forget. Honestly, couldn't have asked for a better. Uh, pseudo family than the triumph family and to uh to see um sid and someone i've never met before i mean just knowing that i could tell you all these things about triumph and you would 
you know, our, our camp experience, you would totally understand. And just like Scott was saying, it is a big family. And so I do feel that connection with people. Um, and I just, I really look forward to reading things that pop up in the Mount Triumph SDJC uh, thread. I don't always respond, but I get to see it all. And um, I just feel like I've been a part of something really monumental. Um, it's not something that I'll, I think a lot of people in the world know that we do, that we have these, you know, sessions in the woods for seven days and we just crawl out, you know, stinky and, uh, you know, happy and, and hungry probably, and but tired. it just yeah, tired. Yeah. But different changed for sure. Uh, and I'm just eternally grateful for that. And I thank all of you. It's been said that the eyes say more than words ever will. As we get ready to say goodbye, we look to be able to encourage one another to just look at one another in the eyes and silently, what, what are we doing? This is weird. Welcome to the Weekly Serpentine. When it's time for the serpentine, what is your first thought or the first word that pops into your head? Here we go. Hannah, same thing. When it's time for the serpentine, first thought, first word. Not if, it's just when. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hannah, tell us, what was the most awkward thing that you remember about the serpentine? One of the most awkward things is trying to maintain like this very genuine eye contact and this smile the whole time. <laughs> Same, same every you know for every person same so that's it's like you know going through the serpentine multiple times i think there's years where you are that person and then there's also the most awkward time of like there's years when you're holding the hands next to that person where you're like <laughs> so so if i'm one ahead of hannah right like there there's a duality of like am i gonna laugh that this person <laughs> Who I'm about to see is crying and then going to lose it when they see the face behind mine. Yeah. Like, do they know what they're in for? Because I've been holding this person's sweaty hand for a while. Hey, wet face. Um, so, yeah. You know. <laughs> okay. I wonder if I'm going to cry when the music starts or uh, like when I feel it in my chest or um, if I'm going to start crying when I see somebody's eyes. I'm not sure which, but. What is one of the funniest things that you had happen when you were participating in the Serpentine? Probably a trip and fall, you know? I mean, there's a st I don't think a full fall, not as bad as Del breaking her leg, <laughs> oh, you man. know, in Red Rover. Um, I've, we've definitely started the wrong song before instead of those beautiful notes of when you come back down. It was, I don't know if it was Man in the Mirror, but it was something that we were like, ooh, not the time. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that is not it read the room <laughs> all right so um one of the things that's that's grown up is it, it's been in the last like six-ish years that there's this whole thing that the junior counselors now have about who's going to win serpentine and what, what they mean by win serpentine it's the person who um cried the most and the most profusely so <laughs> Fun. So I want okay. you to think that when I said that, like, who is someone who just leapt out, like, you remember them as winning Serpentine when you were participating, either as a delegate, a JC, core team? Kimmy. Kimmy or Kimmy. myself, but definitely Kimmy or myself. <laughs> if, 
Kimmy was a pretty crier though. She looked pretty while she continued to cry, and I'm not so much. My face is like red and like I'm like puffy, you know, and uh, slobbery. Very cool with the slobbers. And then you know what else is great about the serpentine is like wiping your own hand with someone else's <laughs> hand in yours to get like the yeah that happened. That's not a good mm-hmm. one, but I'll take it. Uh, if you were to name someone as the all-time champion of the serpentine who would you name i don't know steph too like stephanie is also a wet face so between her and myself and kimmy i would have to i would have to have a tiebreaker i don't know i, I mean i would even maybe throw theo into the. i also too, remember i was thinking was, theo for I mean, a half second he, he was a beautiful like when we went on the boy. hike he just laid down in the mud puddle <laughs> just that. to cool down <laughs> So do you remember I, that, Travis? I, I you think were like... back to just how wet he was all the time, and the serpentine kind of comes out in that too. <laughs> Please tell me. All right, no, I. Please tell me you didn't fall. No, it's been a while since you've been participating in the serpentine. So the last question is: consistently, who or what kind of person broke you during the serpentine? Um, I would always, you know, just different um SCs that I would I would see like. I would see Stu and just see, you know, his emotion and um, Leanne always, um, her emotional face would always get me. But when you cry, Travis, that always makes me tear yeah. up because you think you're a tough guy, Blue, but you're not. <laughs> you're not a tough guy, Blue. <laughs> and- I would say Stu or um, or just like Beth Marriott's goodbye with her eyes or, or Roberta. You have Roberta Hasted like, always because they're they, smiling. It's, it's, it's mixed with pride you know mm-hmm. so that always gets me is when you when you get the pride criers like you've grown so much you can do this versus yeah. i'm never gonna see you again right the pride hits a little harder mm-hmm. for me and then too like when you see when you've been either um whatever year it is but when you see kids from your council and they look at you like you know the look where it's like definite um you know love it's like it's friendship that you can tell you've created and um that little goodbye there those are always those are always really hard People that you know you've had breakthroughs with during council time or whatever else. That's always that's always really impactful. Greg. <gasps> Greg. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Greg. We want to encourage you to help us save CISPIS for generations to come. During this giving season, please join us by donating to our beloved CISPIS Learning Center through cispisforever.org. We also just received great news from our longtime friends at PEMCO. From now until January 30th, they are graciously matching all campaign donations received up to $15,000. That means your donation will be doubled and the impact you will make for Washington students will be doubled too. Again, please visit cispisforever.org to make your donation. And we look forward to meeting again with you at the table of the family of Mount Triumph next week as we get to dive in and spill the tea. See you then. Well, this uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, Sid, you got any closing thoughts after our conversation with Scott and Hannah? I feel really great actually I'm really enjoying I think I'm I knew I would enjoy doing this podcast but I 
just sitting here, I feel just a lot of joy listening. And even I feel a lot of joy listening to people who I've never met before and who share that same experience, although at different times. And for me, I think it just kind of shows the power that uh, Triumph has and the impact it has on people and how you know, many years apart, my experience is from Scott and Hannah's, but yet I still can relate to everything that they're saying. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible that although the staff is compl- almost completely different and everything has evolved significantly. I mean, yeah, I, I'm always reminded that I've just had such a privilege to to work with some amazing, amazing people and when you work in a school all the time, you're in a bubble and you don't realize uh, that you have these individuals that, that you've worked with and they're leading in their own places. And that's exactly what we want. We want people to be able to lead in their communities and, and lead in their jobs and lead their families. And uh, just listening to Scott and Hannah is just like, wow, that's, that, that's a place where we achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I look forward to next week uh, when we'll be interviewing Jamie Johnson, our advisor from Monroe. If you hear this message.